All right, what's up, class? This is Optimus Fields at My Living Truth. I uh, hope you just watched Joe Rogers' 3D printing presentation. It was awesome. And we're back for Teacher's Lounge. We're at block height 659710 and the current price is $19,096. So welcome back, everyone. We uh, took the last week off for Thanksgiving holidays, and so... I hope you guys didn't withdraw too much and, and you're uh, ready to participate in Teacher's Lounge. So thanks, everyone, for showing up. Uh, Nick, you want to throw in some words before we uh, jump into the topics and stuff? Um, nothing too much. Just thanks, everyone, for coming out again. We just had a really good presentation from Joe Rogers on 3D printing guns and the similarities between uh, 3D printing guns and Bitcoin. And um, we have some good topics here tonight. And... Um, yeah, I'm excited for it. Awesome. So, um, well, I'm sure everyone was shilling Bitcoin to their family, at least if you're an American over the holidays. I'm sure, you know, everyone got at least some uh, pre-coiner, no-coiner questions from family and friends. And so we have a few here that uh, me and Nick and Jester brought up. And, um, yeah, maybe we want to discuss them or we can kind of, uh, avert the FUD and just kind of laugh at the questions because, you know, we know that they've all been hashed over for plenty of times, even on this show. So um, the ones that we got and the ones that I remember getting were uh, like, what would you do if Bitcoin, uh, like, how do you use Bitcoin if there's no internet? So it's the standard, like, what are you going to do if there's no internet? And and I love Jester. Jester, do you remember what you said last night when, when we were talking about this? Oh, I, I think I responded with like, well, can you can you use a credit card with no internet? I mean, yeah, it was it was your problems if there's no internet. Yeah, that's exactly what Jester said. That's exactly what Jester said. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we all say the same thing. But does anyone have a anyone want to rant on on not being able to use the internet and Bitcoin? Like we've all heard it and. All right, worst case scenario, right? Like, there's no fucking internet, but you just want to send a Bitcoin transaction. Uh, you could always sign for a transaction offline. doesn't need to be connected to the internet. The only tricky part is broadcasting that transaction. Um, and there's a Blockstream satellite, right? So, like, you could just broadcast that shit into space, bro. Um, so, technically, you don't need internet, um i guess checking your balance you would but it's uh i think it was nvk i saw a tweet where dude you could also uh i think you could also broadcast using shortwave radio right so if yep. you don't want to broadcast to to space or whatever so there's so many ways um like the problem like for them would be like it's the same problem with the 3d printing like you can't make all that shit illegal you know so yeah they're screwed <laughs> yeah i was gonna like basically ditto what nico said but like you know if the internet goes down you can't make a credit card transaction but you technically still can make a bitcoin transaction if you have a satellite dish so i don't know we're more secure from that Let's I guess go. you could 
you might be able to do it with like a a signed uh like a signed transaction from a wallet where the like the wallet balance is the entire cost of the transaction. No, but you could still build it. Like let's say yeah. you knew it like by heart, like you could still build that transaction completely offline. Right. Well, like your wallet should already have like all the necessary data to be able to build your. Yeah, yeah, but you're, you're, yeah, but that makes the assumption that that wallet that nothing's been updated since you went offline, right? Oh yeah, I guess. But everybody's assuming that they're all not running for their lives because the entire <laughs> the entire internet is <laughs> down, which means it's most likely the apocalypse. So. Tense yeah, most likely fire department, police department, hot like all hospitals, anything like essential is or probably power plants are all like failing without the internet. So no porn, it sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> Everyone's horny. Stay away from Nick. What? <laughs> I saw the other day that when U.S. East went down, that someone couldn't use their vacuum cleaner because uh, it's internet of shit. But dude, pretty funny. I feel like a lot of people, like uh, like the younger people, I feel like they'll short. I would short circuit if the internet went down. I don't know what the fuck. It, what the fuck would we all do, bro? We we'd all be so fucked. I'd have to read like books and stuff, bro. Like. Jesus. What is that? Yeah, what are, what are we you going back about? to the Stone Ages? <laughs> I heard about those things. <laughs> all right, all right. We, we hashed that one out before we get too degenerate on the pod. Um, the next question that we got over here from our Thanksgiving Normie questions is, when are you selling? I think uh, this is a, a hard answer for most people to, like, grok when you tell them that you're like, dude, I don't ever really want to sell my Bitcoin. I want to trade my Bitcoins for assets and, you know, services and products that I want and or need. And they look at you like, dude, you're crazy. Like, what are you talking about? Or you get the other side where like, dude, don't lie to me. I know you're just trying to get rich. So how would you answer people when they ask you, when are you selling? Do you just moon moon math them? Do you moon math them? Never, bro. You sell, you die. No, dude, the best mean to explain what it is you're talking about, right, is like the Morpheus one. Yeah. He's like, yeah. he's saying, like, if I sell Bitcoin for a million dollars, and then, like, Morpheus looks at him, and the meme, of course, and he's like, no, Neo, I'm saying you won't have to, right? Like, I think that's the best meme, right? Uh, I, I, I think we'll get to a point, uh, especially in Bitcoin's current trajectory, where, dude, like, I don't think you'll have to sell. I think that you'll be able to trade. Like, I'm I'm not talking about buying coffee or that bullshit, you know, uh, narrative that everyone, you know, like, oh, Bitcoin's for transactions. No, that's bullshit. No one's going to want to use Bitcoin for transactions if the value is going to be higher the next day, right? So that's a bullshit narrative. But um, I think that eventually, and I think the Michael Saylor on the John Vallis podcast put it so well, and Saylor basically said, like, look, if you want, if you have like a passionate purchase, right? Like if you really like a specific house or a specific boat or a specific car or whatever, and you really want to do that because you've wanted that since you were 13, like, dude, then yeah, you know, like spend some Bitcoin on that. But it's like, like none of us in this room, I feel like are going to sell ever. I think we'll take a lot of that shit to our grave or pass it on to like our family. Like, I think that there's a lot of Bitcoin that, 
that shit ain't going anywhere ever you know so it's like yeah i might i might exchange some bitcoin not sell it for dollars but exchange some bitcoin for things that i like in the future maybe right but the vast majority of that shit isn't going anywhere agreed love that man i tell i tell people that i buy bitcoin for my great-grandchildren let's go i like that one Dude, they're gonna are 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 uh like their descendants lucky or whatever gonna look bastards. at us and be like, our <laughs> lucky little bastards. <laughs> <laughs> our my great 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 grandfather Nick, he had a huge dong and he bought us <laughs> all the Bitcoin that we ever owned. Man, that's gonna be nice. <laughs> You're gonna be all these recordings, bro. Oh, studying they're gonna be worshiping us man that's the thing is like we will actually have this to carry on like they'll be able to listen to this recording theoretically let's go they're gonna they're gonna have a oil paintings of me over their their uh fireplace bro (laughs) exactly (laughs) future grandkid bitcoins at twenty thousand, bitch (laughs) uh the the narrative that i've i've really uh fallen in love with lately is uh, not even getting rid of your Bitcoin, just like using your Bitcoin as collateral to get fiat loans. And so you're still holding that Bitcoin because Bitcoin will, uh, you know, number will go up. And so you'll be able to pay off those fiat loans with the, you know, the appreciating price of Bitcoin. And so you just start trading or using your assets, your Bitcoin as collateral and, you know, you just kind of start flipping the fiat fiat uh, value of it, and you just continue to hold those bitcoins, and you just leverage your purchasing power. So, uh, I think uh, Michael Saylor was talking about it on the same podcast that Nico was talking about with uh, John Ballas, and I've been seeing like Pierre and and other people talking about that on on Bitcoin Twitter lately, and that that just I don't know. I get just an uber bulltard boner when I when I start thinking about what that might be and and how we can possibly do that in the future. And it's just like, man, this just the opportunity is exploding for all of us. And it's just it it's like hard not to be extremely bullish right now. And and like we'll we'll talk a little bit about the the price movement a little later, but that's kind of the narrative that that I've been thinking lately as well. But it's kind of hard to explain that to your normie, you know, pre-coiner, no-coiner friends right now. You know, the possibilities that will happen. I, I tried to do that to one of my family members, and I, I, I'm pretty sure their eyes started to gloss over after like a few minutes. So in the future, we'll just we'll just say soon TM to that, and then we'll show them what we'll show them the way. If it's uh, any constellation, I was working on my parents since 2016, and I finally got them this summer to 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 take the leap. Let's go. Uh, it took took four years, so keep trying. That's what's up. Yeah, uh, I'll never I'll never stop shilling to the family. Can't have my family staying poor. You know what I mean? Love that. <laughs> it's for the great grandchildren, right? Um, I saw what is, is, is it Sentinel? I saw you try to chime in, but your volume was a little low. So I think you were getting cut off by other people. Um, I'm just, every answer I would have given. So. All right. Awesome. Pretty happy. (laughs) Let's go. All right. Um, Nick, did you want to chime in or, or did you think we answered that one good? 
I think you answered that one good, yeah. Alright. Uh the next normie question or noob question or pre coiner, no coiner, however you wanna, you know, lay it out, is uh why do I need Bitcoin? And let's you know, I'm sure we can rant on this one for a long, long time. And you know, in the in the honor of the rants, Jim, can can you do a little synopsis of of what you might say? Because I I know it's gonna be fire. Oh, I wasn't ready for that. Um, <laughs> my, when you said that, right when you said that, my first thought was, you don't need Bitcoin. Nobody needs anything. It's your it's subjective. It depends on what you want out of life. If you want financial sovereignty and unconfiscable wealth, then you need Bitcoin. But otherwise, you can stay being stay stay being poor. Is that what the meme is these days? Keep, yeah, have fun staying poor. poor. Yeah, there you go. Right. So, like, you know, it just really depends. If you analyze Bitcoin enough, you'll see why you need it. Um, but most people don't see it yet. They don't recognize how valuable it is to own some Bitcoin. So it's uh, it, it comes down to that. Once you can see it, then you'll realize you need it. But some people just don't see that they need it. Right? There's so many people I talk to that can afford it and still don't get it. So well, well, people think of it as an investment. Yeah, they and, think and of not money. You know, um, you, back to the last topic you were saying, you know, spending it or whatnot. Um, I had been talking, I think on a podcast, Pierre was on there, and I actually mentioned this, and his wife uh, counsels people regarding this. I fully expect to spend a whole bunch of the Bitcoin that I hopefully will accumulate before the time that I want to start spending it. And I'll, I'll be looking at the amount of years I statistically have to live and how much I need to live on. And there'll, there'll be a crossover point where statistically I will never run out. It's, it's an actuarial calculation. It's kind of like buying an annuity that will always pay you until you die. Uh, and so I suspect that most people, including everybody on this call, will find at some point in their life, they've got enough that they can easily spend plenty of it, enjoy their life, you know, for all that saving and hodling and uh, low time preference and still leave plenty behind, uh, again, depending on who you are and whatnot. And the leveraging thing, that works when you're working with two different currencies um, because you're leveraging an asset in a, in a currency, um, dollars. When dollars are no longer the currency, you won't be able to leverage Bitcoin in that way, but you will be able to loan Bitcoin for um, entrepreneurial purposes and get interest back on it. Um, so there's always a way to get a return with your Bitcoin, depending on um, depending on the status of the overall environment around us at the time. And that what I just the picture I just painted is a couple of generations away, in my opinion. I'm thinking we might be the future version of a bank. Like people will want to borrow. Exactly. Our Bitcoin. Well, Bitcoin or, is the central bank, the network itself, right? Yeah, we're going to be our own little like private banks that will be loaning out. That's Bitcoin. exactly right. You'll, we will be the people that will finance the world through our yes. savings. Our savings will become so much, especially some people <laughs> in this space. It'll be worth so much that you'll need to ask these people to borrow from them so you can start a new venture. And then when that venture is profitable, you pay them back. They get their Bitcoin back. They get interest on it. So you can keep your wealth as, as long as you don't take too much risk. Some people will lose. This is uh, entrepreneurial risk. This is capitalism. 
you can invest in the wrong bonehead that loses you the Bitcoin and you don't get paid back. And maybe there'll be some recourse. Maybe you'll just have to walk away and, you know, and soak, you know, lick your wounds or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, that's where it is leading to if, when Bitcoin is everybody's money. You know, the people that have it and you won't need a lot of it, you know, 20, 30, 50 years from now. Some of you guys, 50 years from now, you won't even be as old as me. <laughs> so, no, I guess you all will be sorry. <laughs> that young in here. But, you know, the thing is this, like you got a lot of time, like one Bitcoin could be worth easily $100 million. That means that 100 sats that uh, Optimus stole from Jessifer or, some, or from Joe, that could be worth 100 bucks in purchasing power in a, in a couple of decades. So you better give it back. Jessifer, <laughs> uh, do you want to chime in? Yeah, I, I think uh, you, you really, you don't need Bitcoin. I think people need uh, a way to store value across time, uh, which I think Saifedean points out really well. And then I just saw this Michael Saylor tweet the other day. Um, it's like just as uh, like uh, someone constructing buildings will want to use steel this the same way that someone constructing an, an airplane will want to use aluminum. Like I want to use Bitcoin to store my value across time mm. and it, it just all the properties of it make so much sense that uh like that's what i should be leaning on not this like hot investment it's uh the properties that bitcoin has so that's why we all don't care about the price because we can recognize the properties of the money uh, can, I, can i expand on that yeah Hello? yeah yeah please oh. Uh, yeah, so what that was a perfect example. What Michael Saylor was using, he's talking about the print, the, the principles of um, me different metals and the principles of the environment, like gravity and air pressure and things like that, and balancing the the known um parameters that these things like the physical parameters that they have these are things these are known as first principle things these these act in certain ways you don't get a choice about them you have to learn to build with and around them and money is a type of a first principle tool that humans have figured out really works well to help them survive and prosper and when the money works really well it just it lines up really well with that with with what money is meant to be and and that's what bitcoin represents it's the best form of money and so it is the best first principle um, um, iteration of money uh that allows for humans to to, to have that that tool available uh, i don't know how it's better to say it but it it, it follows natural principles that humans need in order to have a money, just like natural principles that a building needs not to fall down or an airplane needs to stay in the air. It's fighting certain natural principles that you don't get to choose about. And money is one of those type of things. We don't really get to choose much. Money's chosen because of the certain qualities that make money good. And we didn't like, really choose them. We uncovered them as a species. We figured out the things that help to make money work and then Bitcoin has all those best qualities and therefore that's what makes it so good. 
So it's a first principles thing. And when you tune into that, it's kind of like getting in tune with nature in a weird way. So I, I look at it as a very first principles thing. Okay. So that makes sense. Optimus, the question was like, why do we need Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Um, all right, I'll give it a shot if I can. Um, all right, so I, I, look, I love history and, and I always study history, right? And um, the story always struck a chord with me. And uh, back in World War II in 1939, a lot of the Jews that were living in Germany, a lot of the reasons that they didn't leave was because they couldn't take their wealth with them, right? It's increasingly difficult to transfer to transfer all your wealth on your person until 2009 when Bitcoin was born, right? All of a sudden you could pack up everything and leave and take everything with you all at the same time, right? You don't need to ask anybody for permission. You don't need to withdraw. You could just take it on your person, right? Let's say uh, the guards are smart and they they know they know what to look for, so they're looking for those twenty four words and all that. You could fucking memorize them, right? Or you could put them in a book, right? And you just randomly circle the words, right? And you come up with the system. It's so hard to enforce, uh, to to kind of gatekeep, right? And I think that that's one of the best principles of bitcoin that gets overlooked because a lot of people have the privilege of living myself included of living in a country where that type of that that security you take for granted and um i think that it, it's gonna that principle in itself that sovereign principle right because you've always had to rely if you you had a bunch of money you had a bunch of gold you get terrified. You don't want to put that stuff under your mattress, right? But if you have a bunch of money in Bitcoin and you multi-sig it, you're going to sleep very well at night, right? And you know that money's yours. It's not getting fractionally reserved. You know that you could jump on a plane and bring everything with you, right? And uh, man, that that in itself is such a liberating technology for the human race. I think that's going to change. I think that's going to change everything. Right. Yeah, going off that, Bitcoin finally allows people to vote with their money and their feet, kind of like what American HODL says on Twitter. If you don't like where you are, you can just get up and go. And like that relates today. Like if, you know, Joe Biden really does get elected and he starts enforcing all these huge taxes, we're just going to get up and leave because we have the money and the power to do it. You know, we're not stuck here like some other people. Yeah, and and just to add to Nick's point, like, it, it uh, you know, specifically about the potential for Joe Biden getting elected, and you know, what tends to happen with one dem one, with the Democratic Party as of late is that they've tended to go more socialist, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, but I just don't want to participate in that debauchery, right? And um, with Bitcoin. You know, you don't have to, right? You're sovereign as hell. You know, they, they have to take that stuff by force, right? And you can't do that on a massive scale, especially with the 3D printing conversation presentation that we just saw, right? That's even more sovereignty, right? So it's like, man, it's 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 an extremely 
liberating technology. And and the I'm gonna I'm gonna steal a quote from Michael Saylor because it was it was awesome. It was genius. Where he basically said like Bitcoin is the first technology that's run by engineers versus being run by politicians, right? And you know how engineers think, right? It's like, look, it either works or it doesn't work, and this is how it goes. And the politicians like, look, a plane could have three wings, and one of them is backward because you know uh, equality, right? Like they'll say some crazy shit like that, and you just have to play along. And these are the these are the crazy people that are that are running the money, right? Like no shit, all this stuff is going down. These people are batshit crazy. Fix the money, fix the world, right? So I really think that this the the like the advent like the the come up of sovereignty is really gonna free the human race where we don't understand what the consequences are right now because we're in the flux of it but bro like this is gonna be studied it's gonna be in textbooks man Mm, for sure there was Uh, a tweet by i think it was like naval he said the technology isn't really what makes bitcoin what it is it's more the people that are believers in it which is basically what uh, value comes from. But um, all these examples are super revolutionary, and that's why we're all in and crazy about it. But I've been finding an an example to get boomers off zero. Um, Basically, what I tell them is if you're holding cash, you should at least put a little bit in Bitcoin and just think of it as insurance on your cash because the government can act irresponsibly, print a lot, and your Bitcoin will go up in value if that cash ever deteriorates. So that's, that's been that's been helpful, and I think it's also a driver of like what's been going on in the last year and why we're seeing so much hype and people getting in now. What I've what I've uh, really helped get cut through and help people see um, is the other side of looking at it and price, where people are like the stock market's going up. Housing is going up, Bitcoin's going up, <laughs> and what I so like, I just laugh and said, "No, it's not really." I mean, all assets are going up, sure, but it's really the assets that are priced in dollar because the dollar is going down uh, because they've issued forty percent more dollars in existence just this year alone. Beautiful, yeah. I I ditto everything that you guys said, except like. I I would take the other side of of what Jim said of like I think people do need Bitcoin just at least when I look at my friends and family they you know they live paycheck to paycheck they they have cash like they they don't have you know assets they probably don't trade stocks so you know if they if they're trying to save any of their wealth in cash then they're getting robbed and they just don't understand the game and so I, I usually just try to explain inflation to people and, and you know, explain to them that they're losing value if they're trying to hold dollars. And I just saw on Twitter today from Zero Hedge that apparently, uh, I think it was 40 cents to every dollar that was uh, that we have was printed in 2020. So, like, I, I'm, I'm just, like, very adamant on telling people, like, look, you I know like I know you you don't have much like save in Bitcoin and your future is going to be better you can't save in cash and so I usually try to just kind of like beat that into people's heads as best as possible and like it it's kind of surprising how much 
people don't understand about um, the financial system. Like, I, I, I think inflation is a very basic topic. And even when I tell people about like inflation, they, they're like, wait, what? Like, what are you talking about? And so, you know, I think there's like a, a very huge gulf in uh, the education and finances amongst the majority of people. And so I just try to break things down as simple as possible for them. And so they can understand the predicament and why they aren't able to save and, and, you know, like lowering their time preference and all that stuff. So uh, I agree with everything everyone said, but except me. No, I agree with what you said, Jim. I hey, wait, I wanted to clarify something because um, I I said that in a very in a very pure sense of the word. Like um, when you when you say this this phrase, um, why do people need Bitcoin? You're 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 adding in there like a subject a subjective value judgment That's that true. somebody actually does need Bitcoin. That's true. And there are people out there who can say like, I don't care if I live on the street, man. I don't need Bitcoin. <laughs> I don't need money. People give me money. For every day i don't need to work like yeah, some people that, just don't gym, I, gym, I agree that. with you everybody really should <laughs> because most people are in a position where they really do need to save they don't realize it and so i'm like you i beat people over the head about it like you should get this bitcoin thing pay attention but ultimately i was just trying to be purist about it you know like it's very subjective and some people might not need it because some people can be so rich even like michael Saylor, he doesn't really need bitcoin for the rest of his life to buy things and enjoy life. He probably would have had enough dollars. But uh, it's it's subjective. He felt he needed it, even though he had already millions. So, you know, it goes at both ends of the scale. So anyway, so I just want to clarify before people think I'm a, an idiot. <laughs> That's a great point, Jim. Jim, I mean, like, uh, just, just uh, sorry, do you want to go first, Game Theorist? Um, I was just say, Jim, it's a, it's a great point because, like, ultimately, and I, I've thought about exactly what you said, that – uh, you know, if you want to, if you value storing money and you value monetary freedom, then yeah, you need Bitcoin. But who am I and I, to tell people that they need to value that, you know? And I mean, obviously for, I think all of us and most people that operate on our wavelength would agree. Um, but yeah, some people don't, don't desire the same things that we desire. You know, it's up to each man to decide how they want to live their life. Yeah. But th that, that's why, so that's why I give the historic and just to add to both of your points that's why i gave the historical example right and there's a really famous saying that goes by look if you don't remember the past you're destined to repeat it right and that's it's specifically why i gave the 1939 example right with the holocaust and all the atrocities right a lot of those people got caught in a bad position right because they didn't have the capability to get up and leave right sure but if you have the capability of getting up and leave getting up and leaving Right. Which I think is the one of the strongest positions that you could put yourself put yourself in as an individual. Right. Not doing that is moronic. It's idiotic. Right. You're putting your life, your life in someone else's hands. Right. Why would you do that? You know, and and I, and I get it, bro. Most people don't learn until they burn themselves on the stove. Right. But it's like. Sometimes you sometimes you don't even burn yourself on the stove. Sometimes you 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 catch on fire, right? And you know, and you just burn to death, right? So it's like, do you really want to make that mistake, right? And I, and I think that that's a really important part because I think humans by nature just get a cut, and a lot of the reason. And I, and I'm just 
Coin Icarus had an amazing tweet today, right? Which is like this guy, this idiot, he decided to put $20,000 in DeFi. And then he's like shocked that it, you know, it just disappeared, right? So it's it's kind of like, why put yourself in that situation? Why put yourself in this horrible situation where you could just get fucked, right? Like, why not just avoid that, right? And and Bitcoin gives you the ability to do that, right? Um, so there's no excuse in my eyes, right? Like that excuse of like, oh, it's easier to keep it on exchange and some people want to do that. Like, no, that person's a fucking idiot. That person needs to learn, right? Because um, it, it's, you need to do that, man. Like, why put your life in someone else's hands? Yeah, so this gets back to what I said earlier about first principles. If you're going to work with money and use this tool called money, um, you're going to want the money that gives you the things that money's supposed to give you. And you're supposed to be able to take your wealth wherever you go. You're not supposed to be able to have other human beings confiscated away because you cross an imaginary line on the ground, uh, you know, and all of a sudden you're in some new jurisdiction. You know, try going over any border or through any airport with, you know, bars of gold in your pocket. They'll just take it. They'll just think you're a criminal and take it until you can prove otherwise. And spend months and thousands of dollars in attorneys to try and get your wealth back. Um, and, and that's not what money's supposed to do. And so humans are going to naturally gravitate towards a money that, gives them the functions that money's supposed to give them, which is exactly what Nico said, the ability to take your wealth wherever you want to go. And because of the world that's been created around us, they've made it very hard. Other human beings have made it very hard for us regular folks to just take our wealth and go wherever we want. So, so we were fortunate enough, some really smart other humans created a money that we now get to use. And that's why everybody really does need it. They just don't know it yet. They don't realize how important this is, that this is a first principle technology that matches up with all other nico you even said it yourself it's our nature you use the word human nature we have tendencies I, I look at my cats walk around they walk along the edges they're always like afraid it's their net they can't stop doing it they can't they they know exactly what's going on everywhere in the house it's the same shit every day and yet they seem afraid all the time you can't breed it out of them we have nature too and if we're going to use money we need it to work a certain way and Bitcoin works the best for us. We, it lines up with us on a natural frequency better than any other money. You got It's like trying to get people, get it through to people that they're they're tuned into the wrong money. If they would tune in, mm -hmm. their whole life would just smooth out like beautiful music. Two, two things to add to that, Jim. So first is that I, I, I sort of I equate this uh, invention of, a hard money, a truly the first hard money ever to something of the wheel. Um, and, and I joke with friends that, uh, you know, the first guy that was like rolling around on wheels, they probably thought he was nuts. Uh, and, and the second thing is that a little bit of a different perspective is, you know, I think right now we all see Bitcoin as some wealth creation, wealth preservation mechanism for us. And it certainly is. Um, but, you know, at some point, when you know and it'll probably truthfully be long after we are all gone um but at some point bitcoin won't necessarily be this like way to you know get richer than the rest of the world but it'll be just the way that we operate on and it'll be the thing that we use and so you know the real opportunity that bitcoin presents is getting in before most of the world wakes up in my in my eyes 
I think I'd agree with that. Well, yeah, the the information is pretty hard to extrapolate to see the actual value in Bitcoin. Like it, it takes a lot of research to really yeah. see what the value of it is. And there's a lot of noise and scammers and shit coins and people are only focused on the price. So there's a huge educational leap to overcome. But once you do, then th that's why we're early. And obviously it's going to pay off, you know, or if we think right. it. People think we're really agree with that 100%. It, yeah. it takes a very specific type of prior background and being in the right place at the right time, like we all are, to even understand what we're realizing. To, I mean, like I, I studied economics and game theory, and I was a financial advisor, and it's like, and it was a computer nerd, and it's like all of these things together are what enabled me to see the writing and what Bitcoin is. But someone who doesn't have that background, sure, I can totally understand why they might think it's a scam or be afraid of it. Um, and the price goes away, you know, so people are just focused like, oh, well, it drops to $3,000 from 20 and how am I supposed to put my money in it? And it's at an all-time high right now. So the price gets in the way of the education. But, I mean, we have yeah. information that um, we... For uh, Sorry, I, I didn't want to cut you off. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I just wanted to get this point in before uh, before anyone else. But uh, <laughs> but um, I think that's a way that people look at it from a first world country like the United States. Like people in the U.S. look at Bitcoin like you don't know about it. They look at it and think of it solely as an investment. Like oh, I can put money in and hope to speculate on price and get more money tomorrow. But people from, let's say, Venezuela or China, like I, I stayed at an Airbnb for a while and my Airbnb host was from China and she immigrated here to escape from communism. And she was t asking me like, oh, what do I do? And I was telling her about Bitcoin. And when I made the pitch that Bitcoin is freedom and, you know, it's it's a way for you to escape communism. She was fully on board and um, that piqued her interest. And in, like, I got, uh, she bought the Bitcoin standard and she was like, I really understand this. And it's funny to me how she, you know, clicked with her right away. But with my parents who have grown up in the United States their whole lives, they never see it as anything more than a speculative asset to, you know, try and make money on. So my parents will buy in at a much, much later price than this lady has. Yep. That's the thing. People in the US, we they're the, the beneficiaries of the dollar being the world's reserve currency right now. So they're blinded by that. Uh, but people in all across the world see the value of Bitcoin. Especially yeah, I mean, those are weak central banks. Sure. I mean, if, if everyone saw the value in it, then it wouldn't go up so high and we wouldn't be profiting off of it so but i mean you can't really buy like a house with bitcoin yet I'm, I'm sure like some people will do that but if a deal doesn't go through in for a week you know the, the value can drop 15 percent. people won't want to sell you their house for for the bitcoin you know so they're still well, the larger it gets too the more liquid and stable the price will you know so like right now you know um what's um Barry Silbert's, um, you know, the Bitcoin fund. Yeah, yeah. Like if they come in there and buy, you know, $100 million worth of Bitcoin, uh, that's a huge amount. Um, but when the market cap's $100 trillion 
and it's the de facto standard of wealth in the world, then the price will actually be very stable, uh, I would think, just based on the same uh, kind of, you know, first level mechanics that money needs. We've used lots of different types of money in human history, whether it's glass beads or silk or, or, or gold bars or paper or coins, you name it. Uh, they all have the same qualities that are desired. Bitcoin just has them all, finally, and it's not controlled by someone else for the first time ever, ever in history. Bullish. It's amazing. And, and I would absolutely... Buy Bitcoin. Have <laughs> uh, Sentinel, your, your volume was super quiet. I, I, I couldn't catch that. Uh, sorry. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. So that I will absolutely sell my house to when, when yeah sell sell your chairs too sell them first i'm on my last chair <laughs> um well we we've been we've been uh chiming on this topic for i think like 30 minutes now 20 minutes solid solid 20 minutes and uh game theorists brought up uh institutional uh money coming into bitcoin and jessifer brought up this question um and and it, it kind of relates to what we've been seeing a lot on Twitter lately. We were seeing a lot of, uh, you know, like funds and, and billionaires and, and, you know, like big names starting to jump into Bitcoin. Bitcoin's not as risky of an asset, quote unquote, as it used to be. It's it's becoming legitimized in the traditional financial world. And so, Jessifer, uh put it in the chat. Um, is institutional adoption good for Bitcoin? Or maybe is institutional adoption bad for Bitcoin? So, Jessifer, do you want to chime in a little bit? Maybe give your thoughts, and then and then we can discuss on it and see what everyone has to say. Uh, yeah, sure. I can just uh, start it off. I might have to run, but uh, let's see. Uh, we've just watched um, some like huge, huge players uh, come to the realization, you know, what what Bitcoin is doing. And uh, and they're they're buying up a lot. Uh, there's some of them are embracing regulators or you know concerned about uh, or or thinking that you know they're gonna like Bitcoiners and Bitcoin is gonna have to have to change to to comply. Um, but you know on the other side of that, uh, they're also making number go up in a, a massive massive way. Um, so. I'm I'm just curious about uh, all your takes on, you know, is institutional adoption good for Bitcoin? I think we're gonna have a privacy war in the next few years. That's what it seems like. It's like gonna come to because like, like we have us who are like, fuck you, Bitcoin's not changing for anyone. Bitcoin's gonna be Bitcoin, but it seems like a lot of these people, like they're like, you know. You can't stop government. You can't stop this from happening. Like, if you want mass adoption, you need X, Y, and Z. And it's like, I could see them very well, like being, like having their funds and saying, like, say, like government says, like, oh, you need, you guys need to do X, otherwise we might confiscate, like, or like you know, take over exchanges or throw people in jail. And Bitcoin's not going to change consensus rules because of that, but they're going to want to. And I could, you know, we could see another fork or something because of that. But I mean, in the end, we'll be fine. But it's going to be, I think it's potentially could be 
really annoying. It's it's the final boss. Yeah, um, yeah. If, if we win that, then we win completely. But uh, so regarding institutional money, yeah. uh, obviously, I think it's a pro in terms of number go up, liquidity. Like it just strengthens the value of it. What scares me is obviously those types of regulations that could be attempted, which is not as much, but more so huge institutions holding lots of Bitcoin and they're trying to bring in traditional finance strategies like fractional reserve or creating like extra notes, not the actual Bitcoin, you know, so they might, I don't know, try to make it like the old system in a way and hoard large volumes. They're absolutely going to do that. Um, they're going be to a huge deal though. Like um, under the gold standard, like banks would try to fraction reserve and uh, they could to a point, but, but then like eventually they would just like other banks would be like, you know, we're getting a lot of notes from like this other bank. Let's just redeem those and get like the actual settlement and like get the physical gold. And then, you know, if they were fractionally reserved, then there'd be like that bank would just go under because, you know, they screwed over and issued too many notes. So like the same thing could happen under a Bitcoin standard where people like, you know, what, actually give me the fiscal delivery. And then, uh, you know, people that don't have their pants on, they're going to lose it. So I don't think that's a huge concern. Like if, if that's possible, then I'm, like Bitcoin's fucked anyway. So people are going to try it no matter what. But uh, we should, I don't know, we should be fine. I think, I think, uh, man, I think, I think it's, I'm going to be a little bit of a contrarian. Um, oh my God. Um, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit of a contrarian and I'm going to say, uh, man, honey badger doesn't give a fuck. I, I, I don't, it doesn't matter. Uh, th these institutions are going to inevitably do this. Um, but, uh, you know, just orange numbers is going to go up. Right. And the reason I'm saying that is because look, the majority of Bitcoin is being held, right? Uh, only 3 million is actively being traded and it's speculated around 6 million are just lost forever. Um, so there's really not enough to go around, right? Like if these institutions, like so first of all, they're million? really, yeah, it's like estimated around 6 million or like 20% is estimated to be missing, right? There's no way to know that, right? That's just an estimation, but, mm -hmm. uh, that's anyone's best guess. But my point is that these guys, like with Michael Saylor piling in, I think uh, Guggenheim Fund announced another $5 million being bought. I think what we're going to see in this epoch, and I think $100 trillion or whatever, Plan B touched upon this. Um, and the reason the price is going to rise so quickly is that there's not enough to go around, right? Like, even if all these companies wanted to put their, uh, you know, dollars in Bitcoin, there's just not enough people selling, right? There's not enough people selling. Uh there's not enough to go around, right? So it gets to a point where there's just the price just keeps going higher. Are, are any of you guys going to sell? No, right? So, like, that's my point, man, is that there's not enough to go around. Like, they're way too late to the game. If they got in this, they were calling us drug dealers at that point. If they got into this, like, uh, you know, back in 2012, 2013, 2014, uh, maybe... Right. But Bitcoin was looked at like kind of a, as a joke back then. Right. So they don't have an ability to capture the supply. And without capturing a majority of the supply. Right. You, you can't do all the shenanigans that you guys are describing. 
right? Um, that's only really possible if you, if you, you know, like as is the case in the gold market, the banks like are hoarding the majority of the gold, right? So it's very easy to manipulate. You can't do that with Bitcoin, man. People it's might like only have exposure to buy Bitcoin through like GBTC in the future. Like spot Bitcoin might be so hard to buy. Like, I don't know. Yeah, but like what? So imagine, as yeah. the majority of the population ages, right? Uh, and right now there's like a statistic. It's like 80% of the millennial generation um, own and hold Bitcoin, right? Um, and then I'm sure the Generation Z is going to be an even higher probability. And if you notice all the people that are talking, like all the finance professors and all the idiots on Twitter, they're all over the age of 40, right? You don't see anybody under the age of 40, right, talking bad about Bitcoin. You don't see them. They're extremely rare or they work in the financial industry, right? So... As the population ages, I think this idea of self-sovereignty that sounds absolutely new and crazy to us, I think that's just going to be normalized, right? And the fact that these guys or these financial players, the, the, the legacy players, don't own a majority of the supply, nor is it possible for them to own a majority of the supply this late at the game, right. I don't think that they'll be able to get away with any of these manipulations. And even if they did, man, Bitcoin's been through worse, bro. Um, you know, that huge hack with the first exchange, like back in the day, right? Mount Gox, uh, you know, the, the fork wars, like this thing is battle tested, you know? So it would just be another, you know, test for the honey badger. But I think that the honey badger will ultimately prevail. Like it's always prevailed with everything else. Right. Yeah. I mean, I still think it's extremely early in terms of market cap and everything like actual institutions are going to still hoard huge amounts like yeah but i'm so uh i'm not talking i'm not talking about i'm not talking about the the i'm not talking about 40 i'm talking about the total supply the total supply even if they wanted to they couldn't capture with the right they would be able to though in my opinion they have enough money with the well they would they would drive trying to buy it they would drive the price up on themselves exactly Exactly. supply and demand they can it would be infinitely impossible for them as if we all decided that we would not sell yeah they're gonna start now (laughs) they are i mean i you know maybe i'm getting a little conspiracy but how many Bitcoin holders? Because we're extreme on the spectrum, I would say. But like, how many people own Bitcoin to that they basically have the idea of never selling? Like, I so would say a small percent. Only three million Bitcoin are actively being traded. The rest are either lost or being held in cold storage. Okay, that's an extremely like small number compared to the total supply. Right. Like, but that's what I'm trying to tell you. Like, even if even if all these institutions, you know, which they're doing, bro, they're already doing this. Cash App and PayPal in combination are buying a hundred percent of the total Bitcoin being mined. hundred percent. So why wouldn't if they be? These, even if these institutions, right? Like these big financial players, which bro, I suspect that these financial players won't be that big um in the decades to come. I think that the 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 new world is gonna really like the big players are gonna be the bitcoiners like a hundred percent right like they were a necessary evil those financial players were necessary once upon a time right because you needed that centralization because there's no other way to bookkeep 
You don't need to do that anymore, right? So Bitcoin's just another disrupt. It's another internet disruptive technology, right? It's the same thing as like Napster, LimeWire, uh, you know, what uh, what the internet did to the long distance market, right? And now you can just call WhatsApp and I can call another country. I can call India and it's completely free, right? Like Bitcoin's going to do the same goddamn thing. So yeah, well, I'm, I'm not worried, bro. Still early, like I mean, PayPal wanted to buy 1% of Bitcoin supply they can do it easily without making a dent like no dude no way dude it's lit i'm telling you it's literally impossible you will make a splash there's not that many bitcoin listen to michael saylor and what he had to go Mm -hmm. to go through to to get that many bitcoin as he did extremes dude crazy one his his quote that i really liked was he was like my biggest concern is not that I, it was like, or I can't remember the exact words. He was saying, my biggest concern is that other people were going to figure out this before me and I wasn't going to be able to buy it fast enough uh, because of the amount. And I completely agree. It's like, if you're buying, I mean, there's only 21 million, right? Like that's the ultimate like whole part of scarcity. Like if there's only 21 million and I've got a few and you've got a few and you've got a few and you've got a few, I mean, it starts to add up over the world that there's not that many people selling. Well, if there's not that many people selling and you're trying to buy, then you have to consistently offer higher and higher and higher prices till some people do decide they want to sell. What I'm saying is like when it hits a hundred thousand, you know, how many how many normies are gonna be selling mm-hmm. their Bitcoin Those to the short term? Somebody will sure. sell at a hundred thousand. That's what I'm trying to well, say. Well, well, well that's the beauty of a market. Buyers, so exactly. The free market as well. It's it's a market. Like not every participant in the market is going to have the same goals or the same time horizon. Like I'm much younger than my parents, so I can handle the volatility. But someone who's an investor or spec or a speculator on Bitcoin, you know, although we all see it as hard money and, and the future going forward, someone may still be in involved in Bitcoin trading, but not actually subscribe to the same values that we do. And so they will be the ones who sell at a hundred thousand. Yeah, it's like the meme uh, sets flow to the strongest hand. So there's definitely going to be people selling coin, but it's just going to consolidate into stronger hands and get distributed amongst the population. So I'm I, I yeah. I'm I'm on the same boat as like Ben and Nico that it really doesn't matter in in the long run. Like there there might be some battles and wars along the way, but you know like they can try to do whatever they want to do. But if my node you know, doesn't sync up with theirs, then it really doesn't matter because the majority of the economic weight is in, you know, Bitcoin nodes that are syncing to my node. And so like, you know, the protocol doesn't care. Honey Badger doesn't care. And people are are more than welcome to sell their coin. But there's going to be people like us that are like, yeah, well, some of these coins are never getting sold. So I, you know, soon enough, more people will be the same way that we think. But if not, then more coin for us. They can sell, sell us coin. They can have fun staying poor. <laughs> Bro, if my node doesn't connect with the node, <laughs> communist. Confirmed. Commie confirmed node. Yeah, Grayscale owns over to almost 2.5% of the entire supply. Bro, and they're buying like no tomorrow. They're going yeah. nuts. Those guys. Yes. And they own two percent. It's a thought exercise. Like, what what is the implications of Bitcoin if companies like PayPal and Grayscale are controlling most of the supply? You know, dude, that's fine. It really doesn't matter. Like, it's 
Yeah. We're proof of work, not proof of stake. So like having coin doesn't give you any extra influence over the network. So like not the I mean, network, but just like a an economy, you know, just like right. a yeah, but like but but that 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 like dude, that's the thing. Like look, so like a lot of people on Twitter, right? Uh like they talk about the price and it's like, oh my god, Bitcoin hit twenty K. Dude, we've been living through this shit for four years. Okay, like we've been through the, at least i have been since 2016 so it's like i've been through the ups and downs i've seen highs i've seen lows i've seen whatever and it's just become normal to me the most important part about bitcoin is the fact that it's mine the fact that it's my money i know it's not being lent out to anybody it's my wealth and the fact that i'm sovereign right that's the most important aspect of bitcoin for me like that's why i literally cut the fucking cord with the bank. I literally have negative seventy-two dollars in my bank account right now, right? And I'm sleeping. That's the way. <laughs> graciously. The so like, that's the most important part of Bitcoin for me. Uh, like, yeah, like the wealth is nice, like of course, but for me, it's the sovereignty that's most important. I think that, like, that freedom is like, bro, it's 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 amazing, right? Uh, it's never been allowed in human history, right? It's a very like new thing. So. I think that like uh you know I, I really care about the hash rate of uh, the hash rate, I like I, I really pay attention to that but price to me is like it's something to like joke around with friends and shit but uh I believe in the long term of bitcoin like I know I I know the fundamentals I understand it um dude this thing's been battle tested bro this thing's been tried to be high. this thing has been attacked since day 1 bro and it's survived right um so like I don't know, man. I, I'm really not worried about the honey badger, bro. That thing's gonna uh, keep I'm on going. I'm just I'm just raising questions. What ha what are implications if companies like PayPal and shit just own? Well, well, look, look, bigger, just look at it. Look at the ones. history. Look at the history of it, right? Like, like the good uh, good economic implication would be like when Mt. Gox got hacked, right? Mt. Gox, you know, was doing the majority of the trading of Bitcoin. That's a huge economic impl implication right what happened with when the biggest exchange gets hacked right what happened to the price of bitcoin right because it's a huge economic implication price of bitcoin tanked right but what happened after it recovered it, it recovered tremendously right so i think that's a great example right of like what could be an economic implication if if the, i don't think they can at this point right um, what is an economic implication if like these major corporations start buying all the Bitcoin? I think the fact, the problem that I, I think that you cannot harness it the way that you've been able in the past to harness gold because it's very hard to buy physical gold, right? So like if I wanted to buy $50,000 worth of gold, that would suck balls. I would have to order the gold. It would come. How the hell do you check and verify gold, right? I don't know how to do that. I would have to learn how to do that. And like, what would happen if I wanted to sell that gold? I would have to go to a school, go to a store, pay a premium, sell the goddamn gold bar. But what if it was like, like a million dollars worth of gold, bro, I'd have to bring like a pallet, you know, and get a truck. Like it's extremely inconvenient. Right. So like w what that led to a lot of people is it led a lot of people to buy paper gold. Right. But the problem with paper gold is it gets fractionally reserved. Bitcoin is different right bitcoin you could withdraw you could take it out of the system like um like the proof of keys is a great example 
right? You can't do that with gold. You can't be like proof of gold, you know, like what are they just going to send a bunch of gold bars everywhere? You can't do that shit. So Bitcoin has that like very unique uh, capability, right? And I, I just, I don't see it going that way. And there's examples, man. There's case studies of like huge uh, economic shocks uh, to Bitcoin. There's been examples of a mine, a hostile mining takeover that didn't end well for Bitmain or for Roger, right? So man, this thing's battle tested as hell. That doesn't worry me at all. Also, guys, I think that something that we have to consider is uh, uh, when we're talking about PayPal and Ray, Rayscale and all of these institutions, that uh, the, the, the question of, of incentives, right? So you can, once you're in it, once you have so much money put into it, so much value, Did, did we lose him? <laughs> I yeah, thought it was me. Uh, I thought it was me again. I was like, damn. Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. Sentinel, I think I think we lost you for a bit. But um, we're, we're kind of getting close to, to the hour. And um, we have a few more topics that uh, I know. I know uh, Nick wanted to touch on one of them. So we'll just uh, we'll just take this moment to segue into the next topic. And uh, so... We saw this week that uh, Bitcoiners have taken over the 30, what's it, 30 under 30 list. So, uh, Nick, do you want to give Jack and, and all them a, a shout out and maybe maybe uh, elaborate a little bit on, on what your thoughts are and stuff? Yeah, shout out to Jack Mallers who made the 30 under 30 Forbes list. The dude is absolutely killing it. He's the uh, CEO of Zap Solutions, and I believe it's Zap Solutions, the full name of it. Um, they also are the company that made Strike, the app that literally everyone loves, completely changed the game. And I know that Strike, he's been teasing it on Twitter that it's going to be global pretty soon, and that's going to change everything. Um, it's so awesome to see that uh, Bitcoiners like him are so driven and entrepreneurial and like that like he's actually making the changes in the world that like really fucking matter you know what i mean he didn't like you know the way i see i see some people in the bitcoin space not contribute anything still like make a lot of money like i i saw some other people in the uh on the list that i feel like don't really contribute anything much of value at least anything that i find valuable i'm not saying they don't provide value but just anything i look for and um i just think jack's killing it dude i 100 percent agree so one one thing to add on that um if i can i just posted a link but i i tried to compile a chart showing fees from a bunch of different like uh places you could buy bitcoin um at least in the u.s i guess and strike is like the lowest strike strikes fees are second to none so like lower than coinbase pro kraken um lower than kraken i didn't put coinbase pro on here but i should have well pro is more than kraken so yeah um so what is yeah. the strike fees then because i'm looking sure, at apparently they're nothing they're at the very nothing? bottom 
There's zero percent. Um, they uh, have like right? they have chain they have chain and lightning fees depending on, like that's kind of incorporated. Apparently, they have some sort of spread. They they've got some magic under the hood, but apparently there's zero fees. I think everybody the spread is less than the fee spread. that Kraken's charging. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Apparently it's magic. Anyways. Yeah, it's magic. I've been using the lightning for like the past month, and I I love it. I have a question about that, kudos to Jack, kudos to Strike. Agreed. The uh, the centralization. One thing that people ask me sometimes, and I just I just don't have an answer for, is like the whole you know Satoshi wallet um, and all the Bitcoin that are locked up there, and like uh, the whole Craig Wright thing. I mean, I don't really believe that for a second, but like the fact is, like, what if Satoshi isn't dead and like has all of these like coins just chilling and like. So uh, you- uh, I'm just so curious. It's not a problem. So you can't spend from the Genesis block, right? So like the first block of Bitcoin, you can't spend from it. Okay. Um, that's, that's only, only 50, fifty Bitcoin. Yeah. Yeah, it's only fifty Bitcoin, and then the, the other addresses, supposedly the other Satoshi addresses, no one knows for sure that they're actually theirs. You could speculate, but you can, you can't know that it's for sure that it's Satoshi's. And then the ones mm. that people are maybe sure that it was him, dude, they haven't moved in eleven years. And and right. Satoshi and I suspect I think I know who Satoshi is, um, and uh, I don't know how else to finish that sentence without giving <laughs> it away. But uh, I'll just say like uh, I I really I don't think Satoshi is going to show up. My opinion, I, and I give that like eighty uh, percent probability. Yeah. No more than that. More than that. Uh, out of so curiosity, dead man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Out of curiosity, how come you can't spend anything off the very first block? I just haven't heard that before, so I have no idea. A, so look, I'm gonna I'm, I'm I, I I got scarred when I try to do this with Jim, so I'm just gonna avoid the technical explanations. <laughs> but from my I'm so I, sorry I, for I, asking. I don't I don't do so I mind I mind for a living, bro, and I don't know any of the technical bullshit. Right? Uh, so we're gonna get yeah. my butchered ass explanation. But basically, the the blocks uh, really started after the after the genesis block right so like the blocks mm-hmm. that you download the whole blockchain that you download it's mm-hmm. after the genesis block it doesn't include the genesis block so that's my butcher noob explanation um ben what's the technical one yeah, that's <laughs> so basically the 50 it. btc that were in the genesis block that included in sense. the 21 million yeah absolutely. uh yeah that's included but technically it's uh they're it's like, like yeah like the reason is because like the genesis block is like hard coded into the software it's not like something you download from a peer and then um i don't know it's basically just like a bug where satoshi forgot to have the node actually process that block to like um add it like add the output to like the actual existing yeah basically to the chain so um i mean it's not a huge deal but yeah it also it also proves like it it like kind of a bug, but maybe kind of was potentially on purpose because it nothing before or after or, or like before or on that Genesis block can spend. And so the fact that he timestamped the Genesis block with the newspaper and then like all the all subsequent blocks are are, are recorded in the chain. You know, it's it's kind of a yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it was a total like a total error. Yeah, yeah, because, like, you could say, like, say if it was, like, spendable, then you could say, oh, he... Yeah, like, an unfair he, advantage. That yeah, was the he only block he that didn't he specifically... Compete for it. 
exactly. That would be the only block that he would have been like given because he was the founder or whatever, right? The, yeah. the, the Genesis block. So no, I think that's very, very interesting. Um, could, it, could, could have been purposeful, baby. You get noob explanations, which is the Nico explanation. Super fucking easy. <laughs> I liked your explanation, Nico. And then you get technical explanations. Because <laughs> I fucking suck at those. I, I just I wanted to chime in and say something. I heard Pierre Richard say it on a podcast. He was talking about how that was the most fair way to do it. Because, like, the other options were to, let's say, like, do a pre-mine or something. And obviously that's unfair. Yeah, he Satoshi was so like trying to do it so fairly that um actually the like original implementation it wouldn't start mining until it connected with another node. So like mm -hmm. he could have booted it up day one, and if no one else downloaded the software and connected to him like, for like a year, his there like there'd be no block first block for a year. So like That's fascinating, I didn't know that actually. So he connected yeah. after the. No first wonder that because there's a couple. There's like sweet. some day. There's some early day delays between blocks, or, or it's odd. Yeah. That's cool but, though. Well, I appreciate the answer. I'm happy I asked. So like he, it's it was you, tried very hard to. Uh, you guys think we're gonna start using blocks as like timestamps in world in the future? I already do, bro. That's how I keep my birthdays. I don't use months anymore. <laughs> That's I'm pretty dope. <laughs> I mean, Ben loves no, op returns. Ben's all about the op return data. So, he's... well, I just like, I mean, because this oh, whole yeah. like 12 month calendar, I mean, obviously it's like based on the seasons and this and that, but like it, it, it's still institutionalized, like the whole leap year idea, like, or, or, or daylight savings time, for example. Like these are all still. You know the effects of uh, these institutions are, are are so pervasive that you know, like even like our birthdays, for example. So I was just wondering because I, I, when you guys started this, yeah, yeah, when like, you started the, the conference thing, it was like, hey, we're at block yada yada yada. So I didn't know. I was just curious. It'd be it'd be so hard. Like we have such a network effect around, like the the Gregorian calendar. Like it's not even like. We fucked up like units of measurement where like, America uses a different system than the rest of the world. But literally, the one thing that the entire world agrees on is how we measure time, nothing else. So like, right? It's gonna be super hard to get. You literally have to convince every single person on the planet to change like a the measurement of time. So like the only way that we, I don't know, in my opinion, the only way we'd like start using a different measurement of time is like you know, say we start colonizing other planets and stuff. But even then. Block height doesn't become a good, like, metric because, well, now you have, like, speed of light affecting your time as well. Because, like, you don't, like, if you're on Mars, you're eight minutes away, like, from the speed of light. So you're always going to be at least, like, one block behind the network. So it's still That's not sad. a good usable po point of reference for time. Ben, you're too bearish, bro. Bitcoin will eat up everything, <laughs> even time, bro. Come on. Dude, get the fun like, out of here. Like, when's, your, when's your birthday? What do you man? mean it's not going to work across space time? <laughs> when's, your, when's your block day? Oh, I was born. 215 first block. Dude. 130 seconds. Hyper Bitcoinization <laughs> will even change time. Come on, Ben, dude. All right. Block days, bro. Yeah. Block days. No, I, I mean, if if anyone knows, I think I think we'll we'll uh we'll leave it to to Ben's opinion on that one. 
But um, we we uh, I mean, if you guys want to keep going, we're we're at the the like one hour mark right now, and so we're trying to keep it keep it a little shorter than usual. But uh, if you guys want to finish some thoughts, then then we can for sure finish some thoughts. Ben, I got a question for you because this actually really interested me. Um, but please dumb it the fuck down. Um, <laughs> that's how I conceptualize things. So with the taproot and the schnorr, right? They're changing the way that multi-sig is, again, don't butcher me here, but it's being, like, it's being implemented differently, right? Because, like, before, transactions used to be signed one by one, but now it's, like, reverse. Yeah, so, like, you could still do multi, like, with Taproot and Shinori, you could still do multi-sig the way we do it today, where, like, each person individually puts a signature on, on the blockchain. But, like, Shinori just makes it so... We don't need to do that anymore. Like you, like you, you still have the option, but it's like, why do that when you can, uh, like you can make all of those, like each user's keys, all aggregate into a single key. So now instead of like sharing two of three multi-sig, you need three public keys and two signatures on chain. Whereas with Tapri, you can just make that one key and one signature. So like it's just people will just be naturally incentivized to actually do it that way and. They'll save them on privacy and fees. So what what are the downsides of of doing it that way? Because that that's the that's the real question that I had. Like, what are yeah. the, like, what are the potential vulnerabilities of doing it that way? Um, there's no real vulnerabilities. There's no like new security assumptions. You have to use Music, which um, I mean, so like a year ago, what we thought like Music required like three rounds of communications. Like, it'd be terrible for like any um like hardware well to do it but um there's been a bunch of papers like this year and now it's down to two rounds or like like one and a half rounds of communication but the first round of communication could be pre-computed so now it should have the same ux what because you dumb it the fuck down can you make it like a five-year-old can understand yeah yeah so uh, basically there used to be trade-offs now there are basically none um so like what it now is just like your wallet will have to store some data and um like okay. the implementation will be a little harder but otherwise it's not gonna it'll be that's, completely doable that's the trade-off that's the engineering trade-off just you just said it right now your wall your wallet would have to store a little bit of data as before it you your wallet would only need you don't really only need the pub file right yeah but before now, you just needed the other yeah. public keys now like um when you set up your wallet you're 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 like, say your hardware wallet to be like, say like, I'm doing multi-sig. Your hardware wallet will like generate like a thousand of these like pieces of data you'll need for signatures. And then um, when you actually go to sign, you'll use those. But uh, otherwise it won't be a huge uh, deal. Yeah, but for, for example, what if you run out of those a thousand? Right? generate more, but yeah. But the wallet would do that innately without you knowing? It should. Like if it's a hardware wallet, you might have to like manually do it, where like you know plug it in like to like re up on your your pre computed data. But otherwise, um, it shouldn't be a too hard so thing to do. Would the wallet have to know? Do you get what I'm trying to tell you? Like you know how your a cold card is basically it's it's like a, it doesn't know yeah. anything, right? It just signs. Yeah, so like you'd probably like add a new function to the cold card where you say like instead of like don't sign this thing. I want like your pre-computed data 
um, for music, and then I'll give you like. Wouldn't so so wouldn't that because that's another attack vector to a hardware device? I knew there was a trade-off. Like I knew there's always a trade-off. So like, wouldn't that open up a whole? Wouldn't that open up another attack vector, which is exactly what you don't want for a hardware wallet? Uh, no. I mean, like hardware wallets today don't have more functions than just signing. Like a lot of them. Like, you know, you can do, like, validate this address as part of your keychain, validate, uh, or just, like, give me pub keys or give me your XPUB. And, like, there's lots of different functions that hardware wallets can do today. So, like, adding a give me, like, pre-computed data won't be too big of a deal. And, um, like, but it's still what, just... What it, okay, work with me here. What if there was a... What if you could inject malicious data right or would it not match because it needs to be cryptographically matched yeah yeah like um if you gave it bad data then like the you wouldn't be able to create a valid signature and you would tell immediately gotcha all right thanks man yeah so as long as you like as long as the software is good it, it should be like 100 percent safe but uh and there shouldn't be like there's no like new attack vectors really as long as um you're like you're like you know building it correctly which should be doable and like all the stuff that is like gonna be like the the hard stuff to build like all this cryptography stuff is like that's like by far one of the most reviewed stuff like that's like you know the cryptography libraries that like are super hard to change and uh go through like tons and tons of review like the the schnorr pr took like two and a half years to get merged so like I'm not too worried about that stuff being exploited and having like vulnerabilities in it. Did you guys see the, uh, I think it was Deloitte that came out of the article about quantum, uh, quantum computing and being able to break modern day cryptography. Uh, any thought I, I, I truly so, was like so far out of my understanding, but yeah. So just look back that. on like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a really a technical guy. I'm more, I understand concepts very well. Um, so like you just look back at Satoshi. Satoshi has an answer for this. Right. And basically he says, look, uh, SHA-256, which is the algorithm that Bitcoin uses, whatever could have butchered that explanation, but that's my understanding of it. Um, it's going to last a couple decades, right? A decade or two. He says it's very strong. Because eventually, you know, it will be broken, right? And his solution is just work from the last honest block, right? So, like, you know, you look at the blockchain, right? And you, you know, from the last block that you know was honest, right? There's going to be a whole shit show, but that's right. socially One proposed day. solution, right? So, like, yeah, I mean, it's it's in the, you know, it's in the language. Like, he sees that it's inevitable that eventually, you know, hardware, um, Hardware will be strong enough to break uh, the Bitcoin algorithm, but dude, I, look, I'll put it to you this way: if SHA two fifty six gets broken, it's like the electricity thing. We have much bigger fucking problems, right? Right. Than yeah. Bitcoin being hacked. Completely agree. Completely if, agree. Uh, yeah. If, if like the stuff that Bitcoin relies on is broken, that means every single nuke on the planet can be accessed by anyone with a computer. So. Like we have much much bigger problems to worry about if <laughs> if Bitcoin's broken, and like uh, like you need to be able to like basically factor huge numbers, and like I think the biggest number we've factored with quantum computers is fifteen. It's like <laughs> we're, we're, we're and if you and like 
the amount the number you need to be able to factor is the amount of atoms in the universe. So like we're very far away from doing anything actually interesting. But uh I mean it, it might come one day, but not for a while. We still got a couple decades, bro, and, and there's a solution, yeah. bro. Like he, he he points out the solution and it just you know, and it's like we just we obviously do a fork from the last honest block, right? But that's so many decades out. Um and bro, but it's a good solution, man. And that's Satoshi's own solution, right? Um, so there's an answer to that, man. Yeah, we can soft fork it too, so we don't need a hard fork, which is even better. Yeah, that's even that's much better. Um, yeah, but how would you do that? That's actually a really good topic. How would you do that without a hard fork? Right? Because all the other addresses would be compromised. Yeah, so you either have to say, like, you know, in the next year we're like anyone on an old address, their coins aren't spendable, which is gonna fucking suck. But um, sounds so like, like we force hodl, force hodl, dude. Well, yeah. it's a soft fork because it's backwards compatible, but um, you know, it fucks over users. So like, you'd want to do this with like 10, 20 year like time horizon, and then uh, proof of work's easy. You just like add two proof of work algorithms. So, like, say if SHA two fifty six broke, so we started using like SHA three instead. You just have like like old blocks still validate the SHA-256 proof of work, but you know it's a lot easier to solve. And then we have a second difficulty adjustment thing going on for SHA, like for our new hashing algorithm, which would be like SHA-3 or or some quantum safe one or whatever. Bro, it's basically much better than modern monetary caca, right? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> That's the inherent properties of Bitcoin won't change. So like we like we can fix anything in bitcoin with a soft fork it's just you got to be clever sometimes beautiful all right guys well uh i'm sure we could keep going for another hour but uh we like to keep this short for the noobs um i said that we would talk about the price on this show but uh we don't really talk about price too much we're you know we're hodlers so we're we tell you to avoid trading but uh, I will say that this last month was the highest priced month in Bitcoin history. So, you know, just there's that note. And then uh, I think it was Nick last night or maybe it was Jester, uh that brought up the point that everyone's a genius in a bull market. But it's the bear market that makes you a strong handed hodler. So if you're new to this game, you know, get get your head screwed on straight. Because shit's going to get wild and you're going to be tempted to let go of your sats. So learn learn the value of your sats and, uh, you know, come join us next week. And we'll be here and we'll tell you what you're holding. So, uh, Nick, you want to wrap it up for us? Sure. Thanks again, everyone, for coming out. This was a great discussion. And, yeah, I hope to see you here again here next week. Beautiful. All right. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Uh, thanks for coming out. This was episode 43 and we'll be back next Wednesday. Peace.